You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. when they Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 33. Today's reading is from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 26, verse 1, and verses 12 through 20. In those days, King Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining round me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It hurts you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you to serve and bear witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles, to whom I send you to open their eyes, that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Wherefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those at Damascus, then at Jerusalem and throughout all the country of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and perform deeds worthy of their repentance. Father, before we get into today's reading and some questions that I have, could you explain what's going on with the person we know as Paul? And what I mean by that is he's referred to in this passage as both Paul and Saul. It's obviously the same person. But why does he have two different names? Yeah, that's a great question to get us started, Jason. And people may realize that many biblical figures have more than one name used in reference to them. Uh, In fact, recently on Holy Saturday, we heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then later in the passage, that same uh, scriptural reading on Holy Saturday, they were referred to as Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael. I think that's confusing uh, to a lot of people. And the reason for the change in names is that the passage is alternately using the Hebrew and Persian names. So, like with the Paul-Saul interchange, you're talking about the same people, just different names. That's helpful, as I've been confused by that before as well. But with Paul particularly, why does he have more than one name? Well, his names fit very well with his character in the story and his development. I've pointed out many times that names are often functional in the Bible, and what I mean by that is that the name of a character often signals their role in the story. So in the case of Saul and Paul, that's exactly what you have going on. Paul is first introduced to us as Saul. That's who he was. And I would ask you, Jason, uh, when you think of the name Saul, especially from a biblical perspective, what or who do you think of? Well, I would say the first thing that comes to mind is uh, Saul is the first king of Israel. Yes, exactly. That's probably who any Israelite of Paul's time, uh, let alone any pious Jew today or uh, Christian biblical reader, would think of first. And what about Paul then? 
when I think of Paul, uh, I think I think of this very Paul that we're discussing. <laughs> yeah, uh, of course that makes sense. Uh, Paul, outside of this person, is not a biblical name. In fact, it's not even a Hebrew name. It's Latin, and as you could guess, the meaning of that name is of significance to the story of Saint Paul. And what does it mean, Father? I'm not very familiar with Latin. (laughs) Yeah, neither am I, but I do know that the name of Paul in Latin means small or humble or the little one. So you can see the transition from Saul to Paul and how it fits Paul's story. He goes from being named after the mighty king Saul, that first king of Israel, the powerful one, to being named small, humble, the little one powerful, powerful transition that fits his story. And to sort of sum up that story, I would point to St. Paul's famous passage in Philippians 3. There he says, and I quote, Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law a Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as shit, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And here we see that Paul has made the conversion in his mindset from being like the great Saul, the powerful, the mighty one, again the first king of Israel, and instead becomes Paul the little one, the humble, the small. And I make no apology for using the swear word that Paul used versus this weak translation, rubbish, that is in the NKJV, the New King James Version, and many other translations. And parents, if you want to teach your kids not to swear, then that's admirable enough. But allow them to swear in this one instance. Allow them to say that our own righteousness is shit. It's only God's righteousness, the righteousness which is from God by faith that matters. We have to become like St. Paul. We have to become the humble one, the little one, not the powerful or the self-righteous. I very much appreciate that explanation, Father. And as I think many people are likely not aware of the importance of this name change. So again, thank you for that. You bet. Getting back specifically to today's reading, we find St. Paul on trial. Father, can you get us up to speed on how Paul found himself in this position? Yeah, so as we discussed, Saul had become Paul. He had become not only a Christian, but together with Peter, the major Christian leader as the apostle to the Gentiles or the apostle to the nations, to the non-Jews. And so Paul was active as a missionary throughout the Roman Empire. He was traveling all over the place to preach the message of the crucified and risen Messiah. And as we've discussed before, I don't want to get into all the details now, but we've discussed it before, uh, that this message of the gospel was a threat to both the civil leaders of the Roman Empire as well as the institutional leadership of Judaism of Paul's time. 
So that's how Paul ends up in this precarious situation. He's been tirelessly preaching the message that is viewed as a threat, just like Jesus was seen as a threat to both the civil and religious leadership of his time. And as it relates to Paul's conversion, two episodes ago we discussed the importance of St. Stephen and his planting of a seed in Saul at the time of his martyrdom. And our reading today contains the story of Paul's conversion, and and for the third time, I believe, as this account had already been given to us uh, twice in the book of Acts. Father, this is a pivotal turning point, you might say, not only in the life of Paul, but more importantly for the gospel. What should we take away from the story of Paul's conversion? Yeah, very good question. But before answering that, note what you said. You said correctly that this was now the third, and I would add final time, that we hear about Paul's conversion story in Acts. And that itself underscores the importance of the event. Uh, The author of Acts, St. Luke, wants to make sure you don't miss that story. That number three is a sign of completeness, of assuredness. So the fact the story is told three times signals its importance and sort of highlights what you said about it being a pivotal turning point. And what are some important points that we should take away from it? Well, we've discussed the fact that Saul becomes Paul, so that's one of the key features. Another is the fact that, as he mentioned in Philippians 3, Paul had been a persecutor of the church. So obviously significant that now he has become the apostle to the nations. Uh, But there are a couple of other points I really want to highlight about this conversion story. Mm -hmm. Sure. What are they, Father? The first is that we see in the story of St. Paul the same thing we saw in the story of the Twelve Disciples. Specifically, I'm thinking about John 15:16, where Jesus tells the twelve, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And we see then the same thing here with St. Paul. It wasn't as though St. Paul just woke up one day and decided the Christian message was correct. For reasons only known to God, God chose Paul to be the apostle to the nations. And this story clearly underlines that fact, that it wasn't Paul who was responsible. Paul responded, of course, to the message, as we are all called to do, but Paul was not the one who initiated. It was God who initiated the relationship with Paul. It was God who chose him. And so you see in this story that Paul, even though he was not, of course, one of the twelve who uh, walked the earth with Jesus, as Peter was or as any of the others were, nonetheless, Paul is the same as them. He's on the same footing as them. God chose Paul just like God chose the other disciples and apostles. It was through his calling to which they responded. And the lesson for us is that we must do the same and realize that it was God who loved us first, and we simply respond to his initiation. Yes, definitely an important point to remember. And what was the second idea that you wanted to mention uh, from the story in more detail? Well, we kind of touched on this a couple weeks ago in the story of St. Stephen's martyrdom, but I'd highlight it again. Uh, We should be faithful to the message of the gospel and simply continue to repeat that message. We never know when the seed will take root. It's our responsibility, as we discussed, to plant the seed, but only God can give the growth. Yet if we don't plant the seed, then there's no seed to grow. So St. Stephen did just that, and because of that we now have St. Paul. 
And clearly, by his own admission, and in the story of St. Stephen, we hear that Paul was a persecutor of the church. So we just never know how God will work in the long run. We can never, ever write anyone off, because he who persecuted the church, St. Paul, ultimately ended up becoming the one most responsible for all the converts in the Roman Empire, and that, of course, uh, had led 2,000 years later to us hearing this message and becoming part of the Christian community. Yes, amazing when you think about the outcome of that planted seed. Thank you, Father. We began our discussion today with a reminder that names are often functional in the Bible. In today's reading, we heard two names used for the same character, Saul and Paul. These names provide us with clarity on the role they play in the biblical story. St. Paul is first introduced to us as Saul, which brings to mind the first king of Israel, mighty and powerful. As an early persecutor of the church, he fit this role well. But following the story of his powerful conversion we heard read today, Saul becomes small and humble, the little one. As Paul worked tirelessly as a missionary throughout the Roman Empire, he finds himself imprisoned in this passage as he was viewed as a threat to both the civil authorities and religious leaders. While on trial, we hear Paul recount his conversion story for the third time in the book of Acts, signifying its significance. In his conversion, he transforms from persecutor of the church to apostle to the nations. Here, Father Aaron stressed that in St. Paul's story, we see a parallel with the twelve disciples, namely, that it was God who chose the disciples just as he chose Paul. It was God who initiated. And just as the disciples and St. Paul responded to his call, we too must do the same. In the words of Jesus, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.